Good afternoon and uh, welcome. Uh, the title of this episode is A Case for Restorative Justice in the Criminal uh, Justice Reform Movement. Um, you know, these days it seems like it's a major victory uh, given our uh, partisan politics to agree that the sun is going to come up tomorrow. Um, it's very interesting that one issue, um, not to say it's the only issue, but it's uh, an issue where there is a general consensus is that our criminal justice system is uh, in need of reform. The um, legislature uh, last year came up with the first step criminal justice reform act which is uh, a positive but it really uh, just uh, uh, addresses a problem at the margins and uh, as its title would imply uh, second the third or fourth step is going to be required to really get meaningful uh, change. You know, there's uh, many legitimate policy issues that would uh, suggest how exactly we're best uh, able to uh, reform the system, but bottom line is uh, it's clear that it's an abysmal failure uh, and that it needs something transformative. Uh, to create a system that is both just and uh, maintains the safety of our communities. Um, uh, in the last three or four decades, um, certain things have uh, become clear. Um, as the system has exploded, uh, these terms that you hear that apply or describe our system um, that have developed uh, in our recent past include uh, mass incarceration, uh, the prison industrial uh, complex, uh, the school to prison pipeline, uh, all things which have uh, negative impact on our communities that is um, it's just hard to quantify both in terms of the dollar cost and the cost of the individuals family community and the long-term health and welfare of our uh, society uh, I guess maybe the best way to start is a little stroll down uh, memory, uh, memory lane. You know, what are the facts uh, surrounding the creation of these terms? Uh, didn't happen in a vacuum. Uh, in uh, the year 1980, there were 300,000 people incarcerated in the United States. Uh, and an estimated total cost of around $5 billion. Uh, in 2020, 
we had 2,300,000 people incarcerated and 2,500,000 additional individuals who were on parole, whose uh, liberty is uh, restricted by the terms uh, of their parole. Um, you know, trying to put the cost of uh, our current system uh, together is a monumental tax, uh, tax task far beyond um, my ability. Uh, let's just say to put it in context, there's over $5 billion today in unfunded pension obligations for those who work in the system. Uh, the capital costs, uh, uh, different accounting methods by different states and counties and cities make it almost impossible to uh, uh, generate uh, accurate numbers. But, uh, you know, it has risen in excess of a thousand percent since 1980. Um, looking at the current rates of incarceration, it's really quite, I think, discouraging. If we take a look at NATO countries, I'm going to you know, give you some numbers now. Uh, NATO countries, the least uh, uh, the population with the least number of incarcerated people is uh, Ireland. Uh, when adjusted for population, the terms are calculated in terms of number of people incarcerated per 100,000 population. Ireland is at 38 individuals per 100,000 uh, incarcerated. Uh, number two is the United Kingdom uh, with 139 people per 100,000. The USA uh, leads the group at uh, NATO countries uh, as number one with a whopping 698 individuals per 100,000 incarcerated. In other words, it's almost 20% or 20 times more than uh, Ireland and uh, uh, more than five times uh, uh, the United Kingdom's rate. Uh, you know, if you break it down further, you uh, uh, assume that each state was a country. The top 33 countries, or in this case states, would be individual states within our union, the top 33. Before we get to another country at 34, uh, we find uh, Turkmenistan, and then some more states, and we get to uh, 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 Cuba, um, uh, which is, uh, you know, I, th I think on the uh, uh, rate of a third of uh, the United States. Uh, and then a couple later comes Thailand and uh, 
56th place and 57th place is uh, Rwanda and 58th is Russia at 413 per 100,000 or almost twice or the United States has almost twice uh, the number of people incarcerated per hundred thousand dollars than Russia. You know, what is it about our people that would suggest it is just or justice to uh, incarcerate uh, the number of people that uh, we have uh, uh, in jail? Uh, it is uh, you know, 20, 30, in some cases, 40 times what other civil societies or so-called civil societies experience. You know, is it about the people, um, our neighbors? Uh, I would suggest it's more about a system that has developed over time and, uh, what needs uh, a transformative change. Um, and uh, I suggest that restorative justice is the uh, 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 at least a big part of any movement toward uh, transformation. Oh, what is restorative justice, and what is it that um, uh, might suggest it's a far better approach? Well, our system is almost purely punitive. Um, we've had, uh, in the recent past, uh, the approach of the Department of Justice is to charge everybody to the highest crime that you can possibly charge under the facts of the case, which results in massive overcharge, uh, overcharging of uh, individuals. Uh, and again, it's purely punitive, not to say that uh, punishment isn't something, um, you know, that uh, needs to be considered. But when we change the paradigm from punitive to restorative, it's a completely different approach and a completely different way of looking at um, any given situation and assessing what best uh, result uh, we can come up with. And instead of just considering the act and what kind of punishment is required, the paradigm is shifted to an approach which says, okay, we've got a problem. How can we solve it? We need um, to take a look at the effect on the community as opposed to purely punishing uh, an individual. Uh, the three principles of restorative justice the name of our podcast, Let's Rock, R for repairing a harm, O for offender accountability, and C for community safety. 
So you're going to look at a problem, you're going to approach it, you're going to require uh, those involved, uh, the wrongdoer if you uh, might, to identify individuals or organizations harmed and determine the best way to try to mend that harm. Um, offender accountability um, and restorative justice. Uh, um, we don't really talk in terms of punishment. We talk in terms of holding an offender accountable in a way that not only serves the needs of the community, but has the greatest chance of reforming uh, the individuals who made a bad decision or did something wrong. But um, accountability is a key to the restorative justice process, which is something that a lot of people who uh, poo-poo the idea uh, really don't get. Um, in these juvenile cases, which we handle through teen court, um, a young offender is uh, sentenced by his or her peers, and the sentence almost uniformly is far more onerous than uh, would be dished out by the criminal uh, juvenile justice system. Uh, yet people, uh, many, opt for restorative justice because they understand if you complete the restorative process, you have a chance to go through life with a clean record. Um, because right now, the uh, cases are limited to first offense misdemeanors. Um, the scope of the work of teen courts in many places is far broader. And, um, you know, here in California, we're working on uh, making this available to uh, more young offenders. Um, we have uh, uh, an example of both Northern Ireland and New Zealand, which have switched their entire criminal justice system to restorative justice. What's happened to their communities as a result of this change? Well, there's 60% less people behind bars, adults and juveniles. Uh, there's been a reduction in violent crime on the range of uh, 40%. You know, it's a win-win uh, proposition if I ever saw one. And these, um, both New Zealand and Northern, Northern Ireland, which made these changes, did them independently, yet their results are remarkably similar. And I don't believe there's any reason that we can't. Uh, in the United States, uh, uh, you know, uh, have similar results. Uh, the uh, 
teen court program, uh, at least in San Diego, is a, uh, a marvelous setup where everybody involved, all the youth, learn the system. Uh, they learn the reason uh, for um, uh, uh, having laws. They learn respect for the law. Uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful process when the uh, kids get involved in um, giving another young person uh, the kind of direction that uh, can help. Uh, the amount of recidivism in the teen court is a, a mere fraction of what happens in uh, juvenile court. Uh, nine, over 90% of those involved in the uh, juvenile court process rate their experience as poor or very poor. And uh, over 90% of those who are involved in teen court um, gauge their experience as either good or very good. Um, the costs are a fraction of uh, the cost of a teen court case. It's a fraction of the cost of a uh, juvenile court case. No court. It's all volunteer, except for, in some cases, uh, uh, a uh, moderately paid executive. Uh, there's no judge required. There's no courtroom required. There's no court reporter required. There's no bailiff required. There's no uh, uh, prosecuting attorney. There's no defense attorney. There is um, uh, uh, probation, uh, either supervised or unsupervised, involved in almost every case. And there's no need for a probation officer. Uh, and we know the results are better. So it is far less expensive. The results are extraordinarily uh, beneficial, you know, uh, far in excess of any treatment that comes with the uh, uh, existing juvenile justice system. So we're gonna be having um, some conversations with criminologists and sociologists who saw all this happening. That was the genesis of teen court. Um, uh, there are basically, there's a whole lot of reasons that we got to the place where we're at. Uh, in my research, I believe there are three primary factors. The first is the law. We got on this, uh, you know, like cycle of vengeance and started with mandatory minimum sentences that were on their face uh, discriminatory and in many cases outrageous. We lost many fine jurists who, um, before uh, the 1994 uh, Criminal Justice Reform Act, where, um, uh, where the judge had the discretion to uh, sentence according to their 
discretion. Um, you know, you have uh, young people on uh, Wall Street uh, snorting cocaine through uh, $100 bills, and uh, they get busted and they get um, probation and treatment. Um, a black kid in the ghetto smokes some rock cocaine and is looking at a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years. Uh, just senseless and um, in terms of the disparity in treatment for what is essentially a uh, uh, same or similar crime. Um, uh, the second, uh, uh, well, and in terms of, the, of these laws, uh, the sentences were just expanded and we got, uh, you know, heavy uh, uh, use of uh, the habitual criminal statutes, uh, more commonly known as three strikes and you're out. I once participated in the defense of a young man who got life in prison for reckless driving when there was no property damage or personal injury. Uh, uh, it's a story I'll probably tell at one point or another, uh, what I call war stories, but, uh, uh, you know, not today. There are... Um, Tremendous impact from a lack of funding for mental health. Uh, we now warehouse people who uh, are in jail not because they're criminals, not because they're vicious, not because they pose a threat uh, um, even to themselves or others. Uh, it is, uh, you know, they closed the Camarillo State Hospital uh, in California uh, during the Reagan administration. And um, there were thousands of patients, and within two years, two-thirds of those people um, were incarcerated. Uh, and many of them, uh, you know, were spending... Uh, you know, forty or fifty thousand dollars a year to warehouse these people who, if they just had a system to take a single pill in the morning, would have no need. Uh, it's you know, it's crazy and absurd. And perhaps the most recent and most uh, uh, the greatest contributing factor is the privatization of jails. Um, it is. You know, once we give an American entrepreneur um, a basis uh, to uh, create housing for somebody the system uh, says should be housed, um, the more they, you know, the more there are and the longer their sentences, the more money they make and they become a monstrous lobby. And um, I personally was very happy to see uh, President Biden order uh, the cessation of uh, new contracts with private jailers. You know, you can pick up your 
a phone and uh, buy yourself a jail sale or shares in a company that uh, uh, own and operate uh, prisons for private profit. Um, just doesn't work. And uh, hopefully that's going to be cur curtailed in, uh, 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 in the main. So we have uh, laws that need reforming. Uh, we have sick people, mentally ill people that need to be treated and, uh, you know, not treated as, uh, um, uh, as criminals, but treated as somebody with a mental illness. And uh, these private prisons, which result in, you know, these kids being warehoused at the border for almost $800 a day ahead. I mean, if uh, that's not out of control, I don't know um, what is. But in any event, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it. If you have a take that you'd like to share, uh, teencourt317 uh, at gmail.com. If you know somebody who can add to the discussion, uh, please let them know to get in touch with me and we'll get them on a podcast. But the one thing I hope uh, all of you will do is think about it. Think about alternatives to the system that we have that is decimating individuals, decimating families, decimating communities with no reason no societal benefit. It doesn't help anybody to throw somebody with a mental illness into a prison and essentially uh, throw away the key because they get out and they come back. Um, it's, it's very sad and it needs attention and it needs attention quickly. So thank you for listening. Let me, let me know what you think about it or if you have anybody who might add to our discussion. And uh, I hope you all have a good day. Take care.